Aloha. If you got your word with you, and I hope you do, turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, we'll continue on in verses 33 to 37. And if this is your first time here at Ohana Church at Komomai, we welcome you. Um, as a family member, thank you for being with us. We are an expository preaching church, meaning that we preach books of the Bible, verse by verse. And I know there's a lot going on. Um, in our nation, in our state, um, with the coronavirus, and what we want to do, we want to prove to you how much we appreciate God's Word by not changing today's message to a topical message about current events, but really being faithful to expository preaching. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so we want to be very clear that we are an exposition church, books of the Bible, verse by verse, though we know there is current events that are happening that needs to be talked about. We know that the greatest message of all is not what's happening currently with this coronavirus, though we're not playing it lightly. Amen? Amen. But but what's most important is the message of Jesus. And so if you have your word, I want you to turn to the gospel of Mark. We've been going through the gospel of Mark for almost two years. We finally landed on chapter 9. And one of the ways we honor the Lord in this reading is specifically through standing and reading of the word. But before you stand, I want to give some context to where we are. We are in a situation where Jesus just came off of a discussion in a home where he was telling for the second time to his disciples that he was about to be murdered. He was about to go through the cross. His main purpose in life was to fulfill the promises of the Old Testament, to be granted of a personal sacrifice that came not from man, but God himself. Therefore, we're moving to a specific text that brings about a, I guess you could say, topic of conversation that many of us would say, yeah, we have those conversations, but maybe we're not bold enough to say that we have those conversations in our preference groups and circles that we're talking about. And you, you may get more clear of the message as we read the text. Would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? In the beautiful word of God, we see in the gospel of Mark. Continuing on through our verse-by-verse study, starting in verse 33, it says clearly, And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the what? And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives who? Me. Me. Who's me? And whoever receives me, Jesus, receives not me, but him who has sent me. God, give us clarity. There's a lot of intellect in this room. Now, we don't need just intellect. We need supernatural Holy Spirit revelation today. 
We don't need man-centered message. We need a Christ-centered message today. So center us on the gospel today. Help us to be gospel-centered. Help us to be gospel-focused. Help us to be gospel-urgent. May that be the difference of this fellowship, that we are about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Any message we preach will always point to the gospel. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God's Ohana says, Amen. I want to begin with this understanding of the greatest of all time. All right, that is the message, right? Not very creative. You guys have heard it as abbreviated in one word, the what? The GOAT. The greatest of all time. And I want us to go through history, specifically the last 120 years. And I want us to look at some of the, 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 the environments, climates, and social areas of people who is represented as the GOAT in their atmosphere. All right. So, so some of our answers may be different, but I need participation. Right. Here we go. Here we go. Who do you think, when it comes to the NFL... The greatest player of all time. Walter Play. Walter Play. Right, let's do it again. One, two, three. Okay, listen to me, Hawaiians. Listen to me right now. No more sports anymore, so you better participate right now, okay? This is church. You shouldn't be shy about acting like family members, all right? One, two, three. All right, there's a lot of dysfunction in this church this morning. Because here's the reality, right? None of you are right. None of you was right, but you would say, I am right, Kahu. Based on ESPN stats, the greatest football player of all time is Jerry Rice. Is Jerry Rice. All us 349er fans in the house, ready? But I agree with Dennis. Walter Payton is the man, all right? Who do you think the greatest NBA player of all time is? Jordan, Jordan right? You would think it would be Jordan. But today, ESPN is saying based on the age and the amount of championships and stats that he has got, it's LeBron James. All right. Who do you think ESPN says the greatest Major League Baseball of all time is? Player. 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 So singular, not plural. All right. What? Okay, keep going. You guys are going to be surprised. Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you, all right? It's ESPN. They get paid, not me, all right? All right, this should be easy. Who is the greatest NHL hockey player of all time? Gretzky. There you go. All right, here we go. There, there's going to be some heaven now, all right? There's going to be some hakaka in this room, okay? All right? Who do you think is the greatest of all time boxer? Did you look at my notes at, house, at the house today? <laughs> <laughs> the mainlander. And it is Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay. What about the golf? Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. You guys got it. Okay, what about this? This is a little hard for me because I don't watch this. I don't play this. I don't care for it. Tennis. Not Woman power, praise the Lord, but it wasn't Serena. It was Roger Federer. Roger Fe- I don't know who. It's just This is all ESPN. Look, look, look at me. Before you guys go left field, saints of God. <laughs> the point wasn't to go left. The point is to stay straight, all right? Listen to me, all right? Isn't it true that every one of us would agree, based on what just happened, we all have different opinions of the GOAT? Yeah. 
We all have different opinions. And there is no difference between our texts today. We see a specific, specific text where Jesus asks a simple question. And we'll break it down a little bit more as we exegete this text. But he says, what were you talking about? And Mark just says they were talking about who would be the greatest among them, specifically the 12. So, so today is going to be one of those messages that really chops you. Because this is what's going to happen. It's going to center you back on what Mark believes is the, is the theme of his gospel, which is Jesus. So there's two realities today. I want you to see two realities, and then I want us to respond to these two realities. Number one, greatness has more to do with being less than being the best. Say that with me. One, two, three. Greatness has more to do with being, the le- being less than being the best. Now, here is the reality, right? Verse 35, as we go verse by verse, it says that if anyone would be first, Jesus skips to verse 35, right? If anyone would be first, he must be what? Last of what? Of some? Of all and servant of all. The word that comes to mind in the challenge of this society of followers is the word entitlement. Say that loud and proud with me. One, two, three. Right? And entitlement is one of the fruits of sin. Entitlement can be expressed in a couple ways. Entitlement can be expressed through someone's efforts, what they did, what they don't do. It can be expressed through emotions. It can be expressed through experience. It can also be expressed in inheritance or birthright. Right? I am Hawaiian. I'm Kanaka Maoli. All you Haolis is second to me. Uh, if you guys didn't catch feelings, I didn't mean for you to catch feelings with that. But that's my entitlement. A Kanaka, right? My last name, Kanaka Okai, my great grandmother, my grandfather, and my other grandmother from the other side, Mahiai. Two families well known in the Hawaiian community. I am entitled to some Hawaiian homestead land. Not just one, not just two, but every single one. Even this land right here, this Christian school is on. I'm entitled to it. You see where I'm going? But that's heva. That's sinful. If we know anything about the gospel, there's one thing I deserve. There's one thing I must inherit, and I have it already. Sin. Every one of us has sin. This is a hard reality because we live in the context that preaches and endorses entitlement. Can I get a witness out there, right? So how can grace be genuine grace if we believe in the heart of entitlement that we deserve Christ? By no means, saints. We don't deserve Christ. Greatness has more to do with being less than being the best. Here's a biblical truth. As long as sin reigns, it would always reproduce fruits of the flesh. Say that with me. One, two, three. As long as sin reigns, it will always reproduce fruits of the flesh. Anything we see that does not look like God is really explained, some of it, in Galatians 5. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident, meaning this is what we see. Sexual immorality, mm-hmm. Impurity, impurity, mm-hmm. 
sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. This is for me and Coach Ian. Rivalries, right? And I'll put Dennis in there too. Dissensions, divisions, right? Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul says, I warn you. Paul says, I warn you. As I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, we love when the preacher says, God loves you. God wants his best for you. But obviously, Paul had a right framework of the gospel. It started with this understanding that every one of us are entitled to one thing. Separation from a holy, righteous God. Deserving of his wrath, deserving of his judgment, deserving of completely burning in hell forever. Now, that's not exciting news, but that's what makes good news. Amen. The bad news, because all, if all we preach is entitlement phrases, God loves you. Who in the world? I, I would choose God every day apart from the framework of my depravity. The framework of my sin. As long as sin reigns, it will always reproduce fruits of the flesh. And the disciples were not concerned about their fellowship with Jesus as much as they were concerned about their ministry for Jesus. Let me say that again. The disciples were not concerned about their fellowship with Jesus as much as they were concerned about their ministry for Jesus. How do we know? Because there's only one reason why they would ask who is the greatest. It's because they're measuring their metric system, not based on their time spent with God, but their time spent for God. Amen. Sound like the church today? If I just come to church this morning, me and God are going to be porno. If I, if I just come early and set up and then stay later to tear down, man, I'm porno with the Lord. Like, I'm right with the Lord, right? That's not grace. Grace is not what you do for God. Grace is because you can't do it, God's done it for you. We don't live in a posture of I must do. We live in a posture that because God has done the work, I get to do the work. And it's still, even on this side of the cross, those who are rescued and believers and followers of Jesus, we still look at the same way. Nothing we do honors God apart from God because God ultimately honors himself through his son. Period. He don't need me. He don't need us. This is a recurring theme at Ohana Church. Every Sunday, oh, cow, how much times do you have to talk about the sin of man until I die? May that be the gospel for all of us, right? The framework is not us, not Christ just loving us without understanding Christ's judgment and wrath on us. And here's the biblical truth for us. There will always be temptation that elevates our pride and entitlement when ministry is the goal. I want you to sink into this truth. There will always be, without a shadow of a doubt, there will always be temptation that elevates our pride and our entitlement when ministry is the goal. God is not concerned about what you do for him. God is concerned about you knowing him. 
And the only way you can know him is through a perfect sacrifice. And you're not it. I'm not it. I can't save you. You can't save yourself. Right? Something perfect. Someone perfect has to do the work. Christ Jesus. I'm guilty, right? I believe this is why they are arguing about who is the greatest. Just like how we argue, right? And even in our leadership in the last six years. We ain't perfect at Ohana Church. We are deceived that by ministry for Jesus, we'll be pulling with the Lord. But listen to me. It's not about ministry for Jesus as much as it is about intimacy with Jesus. This is why for the last few weeks, for 40 days, we're walking through the devotions called Who's Your One? Acknowledge that Jesus, like ultimately you are one, right? But there's people out there that God has placed on our heart that is our one for the next 40 days. And so we're praying for them. We're preaching the gospel to them. We're living life with them. Because why? We want them to know that they are lost apart from Christ. We know this because Jesus asks these disciples a simple question. Right? I want you to see this. I want you to see what is not in the text, right? Like these disciples are focused on ministry and the rewards and entitlement of ministry, what they do, what they don't do. When Jesus asked them, what were you discussing on the way? Read the text, right? The verse says, they remained silent. How many of you remember those days when mama and daddy corrected you, right? What you did in school today? Not knowing the principal already went column. Right? Does that make sense, right? But Mark just says in the next verse over that what they were talking about. Now, now, now look at this. I just got to agree with the correlation of all scripture. Though they did not respond back to Jesus, just understanding doctrines of the faith, we have to believe that Mark's writing was in agreement with the doctrine of omniscient. Meaning that God knows everything. You really think God asked him not knowing what they were talking about? Right? For Jesus to be omniscient, it means that he's all-knowing. This question Jesus asked is more rhetorical than hyperbolical. Look at the patience of our blessed Savior. Jesus provides them an opportunity to explain themselves. Let me say it again. Look at the patience of our Savior. Jesus and his sovereignty gives these Kolohe brothers an opportunity to respond to his question. And by being silent, they reject him. Sound like us. That takes a lot of guts or stupidity to not respond when God himself gives them a chance, chance to respond. And I want you to see the theological understanding of man's sinfulness here. Jesus gives permission for them to answer him, but the power of sin has spiritually killed their response. Biblical truth here. If Christ did not love us first, he would never receive, we would never receive him as our Lord. Let me say that again. If Christ did not love us first, we would never receive him as our Lord. I love this song. It states this. I once was lost in darkest night. 
yet thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy and life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. This is the doctrine of salvation. And our precious Savior, Jesus, he moves forward and even without their response, he gives both the answer and the clarity for their discourse. Listen to this. Could you imagine the wow factor in the home right now? Could you imagine? Let's just pick on Peter because everybody picks on Peter, right? He's in this circle. Wow, we never tell this homeboy what was going on. And he's dropping some truth right now. Jesus proves himself to be good. He proves himself to be righteous. He proves himself to be God by saying these words in verse 35. And he sat down and called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Here's the reality. Greatness has more to do with being less than being the best. This is why we've adopted the term servant leadership over volunteers. I love that language. We don't use the term volunteers here. We use the term servant leadership. We've adopted this term servant leader over the term volunteers because we believe there's a huge difference, right? Servant leader, one leads as they serve. Volunteers, it's your preference. What do you like? I don't think God rescues people and gives them, listen to me, gives them a yay or nay opportunity. I think if you truly belong to Christ, guess what? You truly will serve. I am black and white in that truth, right? Jesus is restoring what it means to be great, right? What it means to be great back to the nature of his father. When we serve others, it's a reflection of God himself. I mean, think about this, right? When you go, this will change your whole perspective. When you go to a nice restaurant or any restaurant, and you are served by a waiter or a waitress. This word servant literally means hands wide open and being intentional. Now, I would agree that some of us have had awful waiters and waitresses. Can I get a witness, right? But nevertheless, an honorable wait, waiter or waitress will serve intentionally. Look what serving Look what serving does to reflect the person and lordship of Jesus, right? Serving provides for others. Serving ministers to others. Therefore, serving others reflect, is a reflection of God. Why? Because God sent his only son to serve us sinners. And like any true, genuine waiter or waitress, right? There's some pilau burgers out there. Right? Like they reject our service. And it comes with no strings attached. Just that it's a reflection of God. And I want you to see, while others may see your service as being less, God sees it as being the best. Because it reflects him. The man that sets up the chairs this morning, or the women, is just as important 
as the person delivering the word today. Are you with me? I would challenge everyone here, right, that you should serve. If you belong to Jesus, you should serve. Serve, service humbles us. And if there's anything we need is humility. Apart from God, God, we are entitled, we are arrogant, we are prideful. And what Jesus does, he reveals what service does in the heart of mankind. It humbles us. If there's anything God will use, it's a humble person. And humbleness actually begins with brokenness. For whatever it's worth today, listen to me. If you're going through hell right now, praise be to God. This is why each one of us need to be humbled. And the way God humbles us, he makes us go through these situations to make us more like his son. Because there's something in us that doesn't look like Jesus. He humbles us. When we get this, we then understand that our value is not determined by our position, our entitlement. But it's determined by a God who is on mission. You heard me? Like, like there, is, there should be joy in that. That Jesus is on mission. That he left heaven to come to this fallen earth to serve us, to minister to us, to humble us, to remind us that we are entitled to one thing and one thing alone, separation from a holy, righteous God. Reality truth number two, I'm going to be pow. Greatness is at its best when Jesus, when we see Jesus in our mess. Let me say that again. Greatness is at its best when we see Jesus in our mess. The disciples were a mess. You ready to hear this? You, me, we are all a bunch of mess. And just so that we're all on the same page, look at each other right now and say, eh, you, one big mess. Well, thank God you're laughing because the homestead I grew up in, I would get cracked in the mouth, which only proves grace today. Amen. The disciples were a mess. They were prideful. They were arrogant. They were incompetent. They were unworthy mess-ups. And we are no different today. However, Jesus gives us clarity in these next verses that would provide us hope. Look at the verses. In verse 36, it goes on. And he took a child. Please lean into this. Don't miss it. And he took a child, and he put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, Jesus said to his followers, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives who? Me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. I want you to see that Jesus is speaking both figuratively And literally, Jesus uses the child as a figurative symbol 
while at the same time, he uses the child to point us to a child that would bring joy, peace on earth, and goodwill to all men. And sometimes we have to go back to the beginning to be reminded about our purpose as followers of Christ Jesus. A lot of churches had made this specific verse to talk about little children in general. That they are a gift from God. Listen to me. That is not what this text is talking about. This text is not talking about your children, my children. And let me just be very clear. Praise be to God. Because I cannot put kind of coal on my lap all the stinking time and be happy with him. Because he is an imperfect little buster. Right? But who is Jesus talking about? Turn to Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have it, you can look up on the screen. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. And I want you to see the child that Jesus is talking about. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the who? And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which you conceived in her is from the what? Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, hallelujah, Emmanuel. Which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. But knew her not and until she had given birth to a son. And he called himself Jesus. I want you to see the miracle of this text today. When Jesus took this little boy in the house and placed this little boy on his lap. And he began to talk to his followers as if those who receive a little one like this will receive me. And when you receive him, when you receive him, you just don't receive me, but you receive the one who has sent me. God, the Holy One, the Righteous One. He's putting the eyes of these followers back straight on him. And he's saying, this boy I'm talking about is standing right in front of you as a grown man. His name. My name is Jesus. Do you see it? Do you see it? But we get so caught up in the greatest things that doesn't matter to us. We get caught up in who's going to sing better, who's going to do this better, what child would live better for me, if I can do this, if I can do that. When all of a sudden Jesus in his sovereign grace, when they don't even participate in the question that he is asking, in his sovereign grace, he turns their eyes back to him by saying this little boy. And Matthew 1 is here today. How many of you mission drift like me sometimes? 
How many of you forget about the purpose we live here on earth? How many of you try to even seek God because you're in a situation, so you try to look all these kinds of scriptures to make you feel better about your situation when in all reality, uh, listen to me, the Bible was, it's not a self-help book, hello. The Bible is not your best life now like some famous preachers out there. The Bible is about God. Period. And in his sovereign grace, we see in the text, the Bible allows us heathen, pagan, depraved sinners have a glimpse in his story. This is the gospel. That Christ has come to set us free from our sin. Praise be to God. Glory to God. For while we were at our worst, God gave us his best. Martin Lord Jones said this, the message of the gospel is not that the world is going to be made better, but that you and I are saved out of it. Let me say that again. The message of the gospel is not that the world is going to be better, be made better, but that you and I are saved out of it. The chair you're sitting on, this property we're gathering in, will be burned. It will not get better. But there's coming a day that the Savior of the world will come with a mighty force. He will finally, he, he will finally redeem all who he has chosen. And then a new heaven and a new earth will come into fruition with the breath of his voice. And for those who are in Christ today, will no longer look at who is the greatest among this group, but they will realize that Jesus is the greatest of all time. He was and is and is to come. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. Listen to me. I want you to see this very clear. Greatness is at its best when we see Jesus in our mess. And listen to me. For us to see that and understand that today is only by the grace and mercy of God that we can comprehend that today. That's what his word does. So as we respond today, I want us to respond in taking a deep look at our hearts. I'm going to ask the band to, hey, may I come up here? And I want you to see the beauty of Jesus. When Matthew says, you shall call his name Jesus because Jesus will save his people from sin. You may not know this, but Jesus is the same name as Joshua in the Old Testament. Same meaning, just Hebrew versus Greek, right, language. And, and Joseph was never the hero of his life. Joseph was named not for him to be the salvation for Israel or for us, but Joseph was named to point us to a greater person than himself. I want you to see this, that all the Old Testament is never about the character in the text. 
The character in the text points to the author of the book. So today, my question is, do you have a man-centered view of the scriptures? Or do you have a Christ-centered view of the scriptures? And this is what will happen, and this is the danger. When you get involved in ministries and organizations outside of the church, you tend to get tempted by doing, doing simple things that, that is more social than it is gospel-driven. So those of you who are in the school, those of you who are in parachurch organizations, those of you who are in sports and all that, be very careful not to go mission drift. I'm guilty as a football coach for seven years, right? Like a team that won two state championships, right, in the last three years. But at the same time, it was easy for me to forget the little child that Jesus talks about on his lap. May we be people who are centered on Christ. And may everything we respond to or maybe even live like, not be look like Kahu Zeke or anybody we look up to, but let it look.